What's up, everybody? My name is Julian. And I'm Christina. And welcome to The Download, the podcast that lets you listen in on conversations that typically cause tension between people, and my wife, Christina, and I are going to have them. No topic is off limits. This is as real as it gets. And remember, there are two sides to every story. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Can I talk about how um, I try to control the budget, and then can we loop in... uh, the song Lose Control by um, Silk. We're not playing no Silk, man. We're trying to get millennials, man. You always talking about something that's 30 years old. Don't nobody know no Silk. Do you know that Silk was at my grad night? Silk was at my grad night. It was embarrassing. Silk, Silk and Aaliyah. Silk. I had Aaliyah at my grad night. Mm-hmm. Silk. 19. Where was the grad night at? Disney World. You did oh. not have... No, Christina... You did not have when you when you say that you had Silk and Aaliyah at your grad night. Yeah, that means that your school was so influential that they invited Silk and Aaliyah. Silk and Aaliyah were at Disney World, and you had your grad night at Disney World. They didn't. They weren't at your grad night. You see the difference? We got to record. What did this. you do for grad night? No, no, no. San Bernardino, Julian. What did you do for grad night? <laughs> we didn't have a grad night. That's right. Even... So be quiet. No, no. That's right. Listen, be quiet. Listen, listen, be quiet. Listen. We have to put this on the podcast. You did not have Aaliyah at your grad night. Aaliyah was at Disney World, and you had your grad night at Disney World. She wasn't at your— Does this make you feel better about your grad night? I'm just saying— By pouncing on my grad night? We have to put this on the podcast. I'm just saying, Brandon, that's not having Aaliyah at your grad night. That's like me saying— Yes, it is. That's like me saying, yo, man, I had Drake at my birthday party last night. No, what you do not. for your birthday? Oh, we went to the Staples Center and watched Drake perform. Okay. <laughs> you gotta put this on the end as like the 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 outtakes. Yeah. Learn it. Well, how do you define grad night? What okay, did you think grad o- night was? We're gonna open up this podcast with an argument. Come on, let's just Fire. Hit, we're gonna let's hit just, yeah. Let's just be us. <laughs> yes. Okay, no, seriously, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this because this is the type of deception that we can't I'm not talking be to you giving anymore. people as pastors. Uh, 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 okay, before <laughs> we get Brandon. into the subject today, <laughs> before we get into the subject today, am I right or wrong? Christina Lowe, just let's let the viewers decide. You we don't said, have viewers. This is a podcast. Listeners, okay, whatever. You said I had Aaliyah and Silk at my grad night. And I went, wow, what high school did you go to? Did you go to some private school that could afford to book Aaliyah and Silk? And then I said, where was your grad night? You said at Disney World. You did not have Aaliyah and Silk at your grad night. Disney World had Aaliyah and Silk, and you had your grad night at Disney World. That's That's like me saying, yo, guess who came to my birthday party last night? That's correct. Drake. Where'd you, you have your birthday party at? Can I, can oh, I say Staples something? Or Center. You we keep went talking. to a Drake conference. Can I say something? A concert. Breathe. <gasps> okay, let me talk. So, did you have a grad night? I did not. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Yo, no, actually, my school did have a grad night. I didn't go. Guess who was there? <laughs> Guess who came little, to our grad little... night? Mickey Mouse. He showed up. It was fire. Because yeah. they had it at Disneyland. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to say, man. You have a little Pookie Loke. Was that your grad night? We have to be authentic. We have to be Little Pookie Loke. This is all I want to say. Use a mark. Little mark. Okay. Today's podcast. Welcome to the download. Christina and Julian Lowe. We love each other. Most of the time. Even though we just argued about who can actually show up to your grad night. Today's episode is going to be a powerful one. Mm. We're going to talk about money today. We love that. I wish we had a thing we could press, like, 
bow, bow, get money. Remember that? You can. We just have to prepare. So okay. if we plan, we could do a whole lot of cool things. Well, we're going to talk about money. Especially, like, for us, like, this is not an area that we see eye-to-eye on a lot. And so even, like, the tagline of our podcast is there's two sides to every story. And so you are definitely going to hear two sides to this story. One of them, of course, is the right side, and one of them is the wrong side. And you can guess to who's going to have the right side. That's right. You can, friends. And the wrong side. Mm -hmm. One of us um, is a spender. One of us is a, a saver. They don't like, I almost said she doesn't like to spend money. I was going to give it away. <laughs> and one of them has a, never mind, I won't talk Listen, about it. my you. wife is I won't cheap. put your business out there. She likes to say fruit frugal, but it's cheap. She loves to save money. Yeah, we have two extremes here. Y'all want to know how the Grand Canyon was invented? Come on, Larry Lowe. You you can, you're an grand, old man. No, dad on, jokes are so You want to know terrible. how the Grand Canyon was invented? Oh, Dallas, Julian L. Christina lost a nickel and started digging. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. Okay. Christina lost a nickel and started digging. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to Larry Lowe. Shout out to your dad for that joke. Okay, so the, <laughs> this episode is called Our Budgets from the Devil. Get behind me, Satan, trying to put me on a budget. I don't know how our listeners feel about budgets, but for me, budget is a trigger word. It feels restrictive. It feels like it's holding me back. I'm a person of faith. God will provide and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And for my wife, wouldn't you say budgets are more a sign of like, Freedom and wisdom, and how do you feel about budgets? That's exactly how I feel about them. Freedom and wisdom. You hit the nail on the head. That's why God gave you gave me to you, to help you out. Oh, is that right? That's exactly right. Remember when we first got married? When we first got married, we really had a lot of fights about arguments. And I remember that my wife, and I'm going to tell, there's two sides of every story. My wife had us on such a strict budget at one point. Because we were broke. We didn't have no money. My, my wife gets alerts on her phone if you spend if you spend more than $10. <laughs> Do you know how many times? Listen. You know how many times my phone dings? Ding! Listen. Ding! So I love to golf. And yeah, at this does. driving range, you get a small bucket of balls at the driving range for $8. You get a medium bucket for 10 And you get a large bucket for 15 do you know how many times I've had bought the small bucket for eight? Because I know if I get the medium bucket, my wife's going to get an alert. <laughs> See, it works. <laughs> You're just welcome. You're welcome. Can I just make a confession? There's definitely been times where I bought two small buckets Hold of balls. Up. Wait a minute. I'm just, no, 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 we no. want to have free no, no, freedom no. with our listeners. Stop, stop. I paid for two small buckets Julian. of balls for $8 a piece. Because you're scared? Because the, yeah, because you I didn't want no you to problem. get the alert. So but, then that's 16 bucks. Wait a bucks. minute. You're still talking. But you don't have a problem going to Bloomingdale's. And buying a shirt. Are we going there? Are we? We're going to Bloomingdale's? You, you're talking about me, so I'm just saying, if you want to unleash the dragon, we could do that. Oh, I didn't know we was unleashing the dragon. Uh, I was I was like... I didn't know you were either. So if right. you want to, let me know. Let me know. Well, let me just tell this story, and you could tell your side. So you Remember, loved- what, was the, what was the nickname that the, the dude gave me at church, your friend Dante? Uh, I don't remember. He said I used to bang on people, he, so he called me— Oh, the uh, bangstress. Bangstress, yeah. Yes. You want to bring the bangstress out? Okay. Here she goes. So let me finish telling my story, and you can tell your side. Remember, there's two sides to every story, but if you keep interrupting my side, then but I But your side's long, side. that's all. Can we time your side? Okay, listen. Okay. Remember that time when we first got married? <laughs> he had a budget so strict. My yeah. wife had us on a budget so strict that one time I found $5 in my pocket and went and spent it at 7-Eleven just so that she wouldn't—just for freedom. That was true. I bought, like, just whatever it is, $5. You bought your Pop-Tarts? So we've been on a journey when it comes to budgeting. And I feel that 
there are different ways to produce income in your life besides budgeting. Now, if you're if you are behind on your bills, or to be honest, if you don't have any money saved up, but you have the best clothes that money can buy, you know, especially for us, obviously, if you can't see us, my wife is white and I'm black. In black culture, I believe materialism was something I was taught growing up. Like you had to dress to the nines. You know, you ever see like the rich white guy in the cargo shorts and like the t-shirt that's not ironed and like the flip-flops and the guy's worth a billion dollars. Yeah. In black culture, even in, whether it's hip hop, you you don't dress like that. It's designer, it's everything. So even when I was a kid, it wasn't cool if you didn't have on polo. You had to shop in the department store. So it kind of created this thing where I wanted to make money to buy the things that made me feel good. I didn't want to make money to establish generational wealth for my family. We never talked about right. those things. And so then now when someone comes and starts talking about budget, I've never even thought about that. And so it, it made it feel restrictive to me. And so I want to speak to this to people out there that we want to have this conversation and have some balance. But at the end of the day, there's some people who I believe need to be on a budget. And I believe there's some people who need to loosen their budget. And so, Christine, I want to ask you, like, are there times, tell me the times where you feel like your budget that you've been, obviously you are a budget person, but tell me about the times where you feel like your budget has blessed you or your budget has restricted something that maybe you you could have been doing, whether it's taking a risk and investing or or being generous to another person. Yeah, well, when I first moved here, I was in $50,000 of debt. Dang. What was my student loans? It was my, I had just bought a new car. Um, and I had like two credit cards. My credit cards weren't that much, but it was basically my student loans in, in my car. And when I got out here, one of the things that I just decided that I was going to purpose to do was to try and knock out some of that debt. And I'd started reading a bunch of books about budget and things like that. And so I wrote everything out on a piece of paper because they say if you can't see it, you can't really address it. And that is so true. So for me, the biggest thing was to get it all out there so I could actually see it. It's kind of like the debit card. You know, they say like debit cards are so dangerous because you don't feel the impact of the actual money leaving your hand and the money going down, which is why the envelope system is a thing. You spend 25% more money. Stats show you spend in between 20 and 25% more money when you swipe a credit card or a debit card than you do if you have to pay cash. I'd be willing to say it's more than that at this point because mm. everything is so digital. I think when cards first came out, it was probably more that number, but I would be willing to bet that it, that number is much higher now. But that number was 50000 for me, and I, I started doing a budget, and within a year, I had paid off $25,000, and I didn't even make that much money. So for me— to be able and, and to be able to see it go down was such a motivation. And I was saving at the time because that was part of the budget was to treat saving money as a bill and forming the habit of saving. So I had money in my savings. Plus, I had everything drawn out in an Excel sheet. So I knew how much I had all the time. And I was able to get rid of a lot of my debt. And for me, that was motivation to see it go down. Because what you don't realize is depending on what kind of debt you have, there is interest on that debt. That's what people forget. So like if I have a student loan, even if I'm only paying 3% interest over time, I've paid that loan twice. So I'm actually paying somebody just as much money as I took out, depending on how long I carry that loan. But we think about it like, well, the minimum's $155. So that's no big deal. I could pay $155 for the rest of my life, but you don't realize that that $20,000 loan just turned into a $40,000 loan and you just tricked away $20,000 in interest because 
you you're not paying it off. And so I just I just started learning more about what that was doing. and then I think like what could I have done with $20,000? <laughs> yeah, but I think I think I think the point is is that a lot of student loans are predatory in nature. So when you're trying when you need the money, that the money's available and and they know that you can't pay it off. So it's designed for you not to be able to pay it off. Sure, that, so that I mean, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. when you look at a student loan, yours is 50,000, but a lot of people student loans are in the six figures and then now you have six figures of student loans, you get out of college and you make 60 grand. Mm-hmm. Do I send an extra $200 to this thing to pay off my loan or do I buy these Jordans? The That's, Bible says. No, no, I'm just saying you're over. <laughs> it's not. It's not about scripture. It's about it's overwhelming to pay off that much money. And so when you think you can't do it, then you go do smaller things that bring enjoyment. So it's not just. But, but that's what I'm saying. The so education when, that they don't know. But that's where the education comes interest. in. Because when you don't think you can do it, you ignore it instead of. There's that old ad, adage that says, "How do you? How did the mouse eat an elephant?" one bite at a time. So when I, w- when I put that money out and I saw it was 50000 I could have very well looked at that 50000 and go, I make 25000 a year. I can't chip away at that 50000 So let me wait until I get a better job and I can make more money and I can put money, more money towards it. When instead I got educated and I looked at what I had and I looked at what I could scale back at, I looked at other things I could do to put more money towards that debt. And that's what I did. I adjusted my life. So I didn't go drink coffee every single day. I, I made more meals at home and I grocery shopped more. I did things so that I could tackle that. And in a year, I tackled 25, half of it in a year. Not having so do you feel a, like there's another place in your life where then you tried to use that same mentality and it didn't work out in your favor? What mentality? Of just like, I'm going to like tighten everything up and I'm going to budget what is the area? Because the original question was like, what area has that mindset blessed you? And what area do you feel like that mindset has held you back where everything is through spending less, budgeting? So it blessed me in the sense that I saw the, I, I actually got to conquer some down. of it. Yes. Yeah. Where it, where it was, where it did not bless me, I would say is it became a control thing for me. So once I figured out I could do it and I kind of mastered that thing, then I needed to control my money all the time. And for those that don't know my story, like I grew up and my household was very financially insecure. So sometimes we thought we had a bunch of money because my dad would go to the Home Depot and swipe the credit card and buy all this stuff. And we were or he we would be in a season where we would go out to eat all the time. And my sister, we we would think we are balling. But we learned later that our houses went into foreclosure like um we went we filed for bankruptcy like all of this stuff was happening behind the scenes so for me when i started doing that budget it was a sense of control for me so then entering into a marriage that became an area that i was not willing to let go of no matter what and that's where it did not bless me because i had to unlearn all of the things that i gained that i felt like were a blessing to me and also just to have the freedom because when you were watching your account every single day, it just, it, it, that control is not healthy. Like it didn't feel healthy. So. Does that mean you're going to take the alert off on your phone? Nope. That's not what I'm going to do oh, because okay. you know why I did that? Hmm. That was because my purse got stolen. So that's an identity theft thing. That's not a control okay. Julian's spending at the golf course thing. You have called me and said, did you spend $40 at the. At an unknown vendor that I'd never at the square? Yeah, because you know, you get that little alert oh. that says, prepaid on 
square, something, something, something. That could be a kiosk. And I, yeah. Are you at the place where you would go down with a metal detector down to the beach looking for quarters? <laughs> <laughs> you are, see, you're, the bank's sure she's about to come out. <laughs> you keep going if you want to, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, I'll calm this one down. Yeah, you know, she down. gave me the look. We're, this isn't down. on video, but she gave me the <laughs> that's look. Why so we need a bit of, this is why we need a visual. I'm going to back off on that one. Mm-hmm. For me, I will say that my bent is no budget. And we just established, uh, we've been married for nine years. And this just, this is the perfect day to talk about this on the podcast. Because yesterday, after nine years, we just set up a budget that we both agree with. And it didn't cause a fight. And we didn't get in an argument. And after nine years, so wh- the reason why we wanted to do this podcast is it took us nine years to get to the place where we felt like we could talk about our finances in a healthy way. Because we're so different, there is two sides to every story. So for me, one of the things Christine and I have discussed a lot that we want to kind of talk to you guys about, obviously the title, our budget from the devil, of course they're not. But the devil can use budgets to destroy the favor of God in your life because you're using budgets for security. And budgets are supposed to be wisdom. They're not supposed to make you feel safe. They're supposed to make you feel wise. And I really believe that there are different ways. And, and we are, by any means, we are not rich. But we have absolutely, in nine years, mm-hmm. experienced a crazy yeah. amount of financial favor. I've experienced God give me some of those material things yeah. out of nowhere that I'm like, God would not do this. And he would. Um, whether it's different vehicles or different watches or different things that God just out of nowhere gave me that I didn't have to pay for. And if you're not a believer on here, you know, one of the things that I will tell you, um, if you don't believe in God or you don't believe in Jesus, is that the world gives you a lot of principles, whether it is manifesting um, or whether it is positive energy, they give you a lot of principles that are actually in the Bible. And so in this area, just because we're pastors and we talk it through the lens of faith, we have a lot more in common than we think when it comes to finances. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about prayer. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about church. And so money is a very spiritual thing. Increase and in wealth is spiritual. Um, it is very common. It is not true that as a Christian that you have to live your lives poor. Um, there's nowhere. Matter of fact, one of my favorite passages of Scripture in the Bible, David was king of Israel, had all of this money, all of this wealth, and he cheated on his wife, got another man's wife pregnant. And when the prophet came to correct David, the prophet Nathan, God told David, why did you do that? I've given you everything. And if that wouldn't have been enough, I would have given you more. So here's God who's given a man everything. And he's going, hey, if that wasn't enough, you could have talked to me about that. If you felt inadequate based off what you had, we could have had a conversation. And I think that uh, many people think that God wants us to remain, you know, poor and not have anything. So the reason why we wanted to talk about budgets is because we talked to too many people that are not living in financial freedom. And we wanted to just express and have a conversation about our battles with it. And I think Christina would say that everything she wanted to do was through the lens of budget and everything I wanted to do was through the lens of trying to make more money. And so there's, we're going to talk about a few areas and I want to get your thoughts on these, Christina, that I believe, and you got to write these down, that if you want to live in financial freedom, I'm not talking about being a millionaire. I'm talking about uh, you want to live in financial freedom, you have to address these five areas in your life. These are so good. I remember when you did this. Ready? Yeah. Number one, this is the most important one. That is generosity. 
I believe that God gives financial resources for those who are generous. The Bible says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. We are being indoctrinated that is the world of the gifted and the influential that gets larger and larger. So the more generous that you are, the more that God wants to make your world larger. That is what we believe. And so our number one thing that we do in our finances is that we are generous. These stories go on and on. I mean, we've been in a restaurant and Venmoed our waitress $1,000 over vacation. I mean, we definitely, year after year, give more money away to people than we would probably spend on ourselves. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a lot of questions about how you navigate that one in marriage. We should probably talk about that one. (laughs) But what I'm saying is how you navigate it in marriage, it means that the main thing you're trying to do with your resources is to be generous. Yeah. And here's what's important for you if you're listening. Because some people would say, I wish I could be generous. Yeah. But I don't have enough. Yeah. And I'm not always talking about money. When I mean generosity, I believe that true generosity starts with the thing you feel you have the least of. So if you have a lot of money and a little time, you should be generous with your time. I think it's even more important if you have less money to find a way to be generous. Give someone $5 with the heart of generosity. Mm. Buy a coffee with the idea that you just want to be generous because the world gets larger. You will absolutely be buying 10 coffees one day because you were willing to buy one. Generosity is the most important thing. And so, Christina, for you, like, how do you, have you seen, because one of the things I'm so proud of you is I feel like your generosity has gone over your, your budgeting. Budgeting used to be the number one. And now one of the things I feel like our marriage has done is generosity has become number one. How has that happened for you where generosity has become the most important thing? I, I think it was just through a lot of trial and error. Like, no, I'm going to say trial and error. It's just like you would come to me because you have been the main initiator of the generosity movement in our marriage. And so I think for the first, like, quite a few times that we were generous in a big way. Because I, I felt like the Lord would tell me to give people, you know, $100 here or something like that. But when it came to actually, like, it being a sacrificial thing, I think it was just watching the fruit of it every single time. Like, every time you would come to me and say, I feel like we're supposed to pay someone's rent for six months. And I go, oh, my God, that's our whole savings account. But then, okay. And, and I would do it and agree to it and then watch move, watch God move. That, that to me was how I just was like, okay, like this is undeniable at this point. Like God just keeps showing up. And I believe God gave us even a word inside of our church. We had a guest speaker once, um, Robert Morris, who does a book, The Blessed Life, and he gave his own testimony. And one of the times that I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, you guys are called to that level of stewardship. And I was like, oh, like he was talking about getting, giving houses away. And he got an airplane and gave that away. And I like all of these just wild stories. And I'm like, okay, Lord. And I really felt like it was true. And so after just seeing some of that stuff come true in our lives, after we, we would give sometimes what we were very uncomfortable with, I was just always on board. And to the point where it became a, a, a fun thing. Like I, somebody preached this once, maybe it was you. About, it probably was me. It probably was because it was really good. It's really, yeah. Yeah. But it was talking about, <laughs> it actually might have been Robert YouTube, Morris. YouTube, Google Julian um, Lowe on YouTube. It actually was Robert Morris, I think. But he said that, right. that he, that doing this thing with God with the generosity was like a dance and it became like, or like a game. He was like, it was I almost I did say like, that. The sermon's called The Dance with God. Yeah, no, okay. Lies. Okay. It was. Look oh, it up. YouTube. Okay. Yeah, maybe it was. 
But just how like it's kind of like this this game of like okay, God's gonna show you something, and then you have to just kind of like boom, and you do it, and then it's an, and then he'll ask you to do it again, and boom. And so that's how it became with us to the point where it was almost like a competition where Julian would come at me with some crazy number, and I'd be like, oh yeah, how about hmm. That's just empty yeah, everything. La- last year, we actually <laughs> gave away half of the money we were saving for a house. We sure did. And we watched God provide for us to still buy that house within four or five months. And we had given away half of the money. It was it was crazy. Yeah. I think the second category, and this is the my favorite one, and this is why I say if your number one goal in life is to not be generous, you're not ready for category number two because category number two is income potential. Yeah. And what I have found is that when your number one goal in life is to be generous, and I'm not talking about just with money. Money's a big part of it. But with your time and your life, you live a sacrificial life. Now the job that you have is, to, is designed to fund your generosity, not to heal the parts of your soul Ugh. that need to be healed because you're not being generous. Right. Now if, you, if, now, if you're not a generous person, you need to love your job. Now the dream job is yeah. the, how it makes you feel, not who it helps you resource. Oh, my God. I feel like preaching. I said, if you are not a generous person, now your dream job is how it makes you feel, not who it helps you resource. Mm -hmm. So now, because for Christine and I, our dream job is to not be, I mean, our dream job is to one day not be pastors. Can I just, we don't want to be pastors. Julian. We don't. No. We don't. Matter of fact, if you want to be the pastors of Oasis Church, you can apply right now. No, I'm just kidding. We're hiring. For what? Lead pastors. (laughs) We ain't hired. no. You but, see how quiet I am right now. But in all seriousness, the reason why our pastors, our job as pastors, became our dream job, and it's becoming our dream job, is because of the generosity. This job actually helps us resource the people the best. Mm-hmm. The things that we have done in our community, I don't think I would have ever done had I had the music career. I don't think I would have ever done had I had the business career. I don't know if there would have been a year in my life where we could give nearly a million dollars to our community yeah. and I could have helped people. So now that generosity my main goal, it turned my job into my dream job because it's not a job that makes me feel good. It's a job that helps me resource people. So then now, once you're generous, now you need to address your income potential. Most people would say budget second. Now, if you've got yourself in debt through irresponsibility, these are not just, these are the healthy version. But if you've gotten yourself in debt through irresponsibility, you do need to put budget at the top. Mm-hmm. You got If you're in debt, put budget at the top. But I'm talking about from a place of true freedom, you're looking at it and you're saying, which one needs to be at the top? For somebody out there, you have an idea that is from God that will, uh, uh, you know, That's me. increase your income. And you would rather save another $300 a month so that in 10 years you can have 30000 when God has given you an idea that if you would just have enough faith and be bold enough to pursue it, it would give you that 30000 in two years. And so what I feel is that generosity sets you up for God to be able to trust you with an idea that will create income potential. And I'm not talking about generous like you buy a coffee. I'm talking about you live your life sacrificially. It's about other people. Now God can trust you with an idea that would yield income. Most people out there, and I want to challenge someone out there who has tried to launch an idea that you thought was from God, or maybe you thought you're not a believer and you launched an idea that you thought was going to work and it didn't, I want you to check your generosity. Mm. I want you to check how many people in your circle would know that you love them through your generosity. That's good, yeah. They would know. And then try the idea again, income potential. Um, This is something that Christine and I are talking about. 
what are some ideas that can increase our income that don't have to come from church and ministry? Number three would be savings. I think that having a savings account and having some money to rely on. A lot of people, Dave Ramsey recommends, you know, six months of living expenses. If you can't get to that place, um, you're a big saver. Like, what do you feel like for the person like me who likes nice things and likes to golf? How do we save? Because I feel like when I'm you saving— You get married to a Christina. That's how you do it. No, but seriously. Boo. But I feel like when I'm saving <laughs> and not spending, I'm not enjoying life. What advice do you have for people who feel that way? Get somebody in your life that can show you the bigger picture of why it's important. If somebody can show it to you and show you the value of it, I think that you would have a different perspective on it. You don't value it. So you got to change your perspective. I would agree. I think, I think it's vision. Yeah. So, so, so spending money is temporary. Saving money has to do with vision. If you're a person who doesn't have vision, I totally agree with Christina. Because one of the things, savings doesn't give me any security at all. I had just a faith person. I believe God is going to provide. But what made me want to save more money, we're saving more money than we ever have in the history of marriage, is because we had vision. I started looking down the line. Now I'm 44. My kids want to go to private school in high school or college. I don't have the money to pay for that. I don't have the money to help them get their first car. I don't have the money to help them buy their house. I don't want to work and guest preach until I'm 70 because I haven't saved for retirement. So it was kind of like the vision one of the things, like when people do vision boards, it, most of their vision boards are, are about what they want to do for work, not what's going to happen when they stop working and they don't have the ability to work. So I, I think vision is, a, is an important um, thing, and I love that you said that. Sit down with someone who can give you some vision for the future, a financial planner, somebody who is further down um, that road. The fourth category that I really want you to speak to, Christina, is stewardship. And so we've talked about generosity, income potential, savings, and stewardship. Stewardship is not just how much you save, but being mindful of your materialism, what you spend money on, because many people will say that if I want to know what you value, let me look at your bank account and your spending habits. Does that make sense? Oh, it sure does. And so we definitely, I would say (laughs) that you are a marginally better steward than me. Marginally? Yeah. No, you're a way better steward. Way better. So talk to me about stewardship because we were talking about, I was talking about spending money on something that I didn't need. And you're like, I just don't see spending that much money on something when there's somebody we could help. So talk to people about stewardship a little bit. Again, I think it goes back to the bigger picture because a little bit every day doesn't seem like a lot. But if you look at the bigger picture, right? Like if I spend $3 on a coffee every day and there's 30 days in a month. Well, let's say coffee now is like five or six dollars. It's not even right. So times 30, that's 200 bucks a month times 12 is $2,400 a year. That's what it costs to be caffeinated. Okay. But see, but exactly. But $5 a day doesn't feel like much, but $2,400 a year feels like, oh, that's a lot for a coffee. Like that's dumb. Mm -hmm. Um, But the other thing I would say is like, I, I really started thinking about like, oh, what are the things that I like to spend money on? So if it's clothes, uh, I noticed that my my pattern was like, okay, I go buy these nice clothes or whatever, but especially with the way trends are, like in three months, that thing's out of style. So if I'm like, oh, I spent, let's just be liberal and say I spent three or $4,000 on clothes last year. Am I still wearing those clothes? No. So to me, that's wasting money. Like, why would I go spend that money on something that a year from now I don't even care about? 
when I could put that in a fund that's going to gain interest and pile up over time. And then, like you said, be able to buy my kids a car when they graduate. I'm going to, that's going to have more of an impact for me than spending it on clothes that a year from now I don't care about. So I, I think it was just changing my perspective and actually taking inventory of like, how do I really feel about those things? They feel great in the moment, but am I thinking about them a year later? Nope. Yeah. You know, so. And then the final category, and hopefully you're writing these down because stewardship is a church that we, it's a word that we use in church, but um, um, you can call it mindfulness or materialism, watching materialism. That's what we would call stewardship. But so generosity, income, potential, saving, stewardship. And then the fifth one is investing. I think that you have a lot of people right now out there who are not generous, who are not addressing their ideas for income potential, who don't have a savings account, who overspend, that are throwing five grand in the Dogecoin and Bitcoin and trying to get rich trading. And really, every almost every financial advisor you would talk to would say, hey, be willing to play the long game. And even for me, like I feel like at 44, I felt we were renting a house that was really nice. And I remember walking into that house and feeling better about myself because my my family was living in a place that nice. And then um, as far as investment, we ended up downsizing out of that expensive rental and buying a condo that definitely does not look like that house. I mean, mm -hmm. you you would you would pull up to our part. We pull up to outside, it looked like we ain't doing Shout well. out. If you're a landscaper. Inside looks great. If you're a landscaper in the Los Angeles area, Brandon, and you've you been can our help house. us. It hey, don't look like we, we don't have babe, a lead past this house. A, I'm trying to get a sponsorship. Our front yard is just dirt. So if you're a landscaper in the Los Angeles area and you want to help us figure that thing out, that would be awesome. But But when we bought the condo, the reason why we bought it, is because we bought it for less than it appraised. And even now, we have $40,000, maybe maybe more. We have 60 grand of equity in the place, right? So we could sell it. And if we sold it today, we would have, we would net anywhere from 50 to $75,000. And so I don't have the same, no one has come into our, our place. No one's pulled up to our place like they pulled up to the old place. They'd be like, wow, <laughs> right. your place is so nice. Grant, you've been, Brandon, Dave, none of them have said it. But in our rental, that's what they said. Yeah, right? sure is. That's what they said. But the reality is, is our equity is, wow, that's hey. so nice. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that I had to overcome. I, you know, being a lead pastor, I'm an influential leader. I got to have a nice house. You got to come over to my house and jump in the... Jump in the pool and you gotta Jump like whoop de wop. Like you tripping over the rocks. Our house is so small. Like, somebody don't came get your over feet dirty. Our house is so small compared to our other house. Somebody came over the other day, walked in the front and tripped out the back. Oh my another Larry Lowe joke. Shout out <laughs> to grandpa. <laughs> How much time we got left, fam? We're almost done. Okay, we, we're that done. joke is coming we're out. Done. <laughs> we're done. We're done. My dad joke game is fire today. Hey, so, one of the things about the five that you gave that I thought that was really great that I think would be an awesome way to even wrap it up is how you talk about, yes, these are the five, but how do you use the five to get to what you're talking about, that freedom? Man, what a great transition into our clothes. So here's what we want you to do, okay? Our budgets from the devil, they can be if they're used to drive fear <laughs> yeah. or create a safety that God would like to provide for you. It is your faith that should create your safety not your your budget. Budgets are wisdom. They're not supposed to be security. They're supposed to be wisdom. Our confidence as believers is supposed to come from God. And I would say that if you don't believe in God, God is still trying to give you that kind of confidence because he loves you. But these five areas are something that if you say, hey, 
Generosity, income potential, savings, stewardship, and investing. Rate yourself on a scale of one to 10 in each one, right? Yeah. So here's what I've seen people do, and I believe this will change your life and, and your budget can no longer be from the devil. If on a scale of one to 10, and you are, let's say you are a budget, you are an eight, right? You were an eight. I was a 10. Minimum, you're an eight. Mm-hmm. So what happens with a lot of people who are budgety, budgeters, they haven't bought someone a coffee or a birthday gift in months. Yeah, there's no budget for generosity. There's no budget for generosity. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, um, you, you nickel and dime everything. You nickel and dime everything. And the reason why is because you're an eight. You are trying to become a nine. And it's very hard once you're on a scale of one and 10 or an eight to become a nine. So the reason why I love rating these five areas on a scale of one to 10 is because discover the area that you are less than a five. Mm. It is absolutely financial wisdom if you discover you are a nine in generous in, in budgeting. I want you to be an eight in budgeting and be more generous. Yep. Whatever that means for you, that could be ten. So instead of trying to make the eight a ten, try and keep the eight an eight, and then make the lower number on generosity a higher number. Exactly. Yep. So if it's if it's an income potential, a lot of people make forty or fifty grand a year. And if you're honest, you're late to work. You have a bad attitude because you don't like this job and there's something else you wish you could do. Your average person, let me explain something to you. I feel like preaching. Your average person, I believe, is leaving $25,000 a year out of their income over attitude and work ethic. Do you know how many times people have gotten raises over work ethic and attitude? Increase your work ethic. Get a better attitude. I believe most people are leaving. That's $2,000 a month off of attitude and work ethic. Be on time. Show your boss you want to serve. If you're not a job that you're there, increase your attitude. Like, be 15 minutes early. Don't come in late. Like, get have the attitude of Christ. The Bible says we're supposed to have the attitude of Christ. So I think we are leaving. There, there are people in Oregon. I don't care if you work for a church. You are leaving income off the table by justifying your bad attitude, by having those coffee pot conversations about how bad the culture is and how bad your boss is and things are unorganized and unstructured. You are leaving 25 grand a year off the table. So that's income potential. If you're a one and you have a bad attitude and you don't have bad work ethic, get that to a seven. Who knows what could happen in your income potential? And now you can save more money or maybe the area... Is, is, is savings and whatever comes in, uh, you know, I, there was a time in my life where I lived my life based off of if, if I was not broke when I got paid, I was doing well. But no, you're supposed to save. Look at your spending habits. Find out what you're spending on, on coffee. Find out what you're spending on clothes and saying, is there any way I can set aside 5 to 10% of my income? We believe in a part of our generosity is tithing, so we give 10% of our money to the church. That's part of our generosity. But you might not be in that place to where you're ready to do that. But address generosity if it's low. The income potential is, is important. There might be an idea. You might be an entrepreneur, a, a business partner that you may need. But start to address your income potential. And then I think investing or stewardship, do you really need that thing? Do, do you have any issues with materialism? Um, do you always need the new pair of shoes? I know, I know I am in that spot where I feel like I'm 
God's dealing with me. I don't always need the new thing, the new golf club, the new shoes, the new this. And so maybe your stewardship score is low or maybe you're investing. Making your money work for you, like there's nothing more comfortable than knowing that your money is making you money. And so I believe that if you address these areas, and even if it's like, you know, when I say investing, I'm talking about like start off with safe companies. Don't gamble. Don't get on a trading site and start trying to flip your 500 to 1500. It's sometimes that is that is necessary. But I'm just talking about just invest your money. Get something that yields eight to 12 percent a year and call it a day. And so as you look at these five areas of your life and you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10, then you, I believe you can have a healthy view of money and finances. It's something Christina and I have done. We have more money saved than we ever have. We're more generous than we've ever have. We probably spend more money than we've ever spent. So it seems like it's it's coming together. You spend more money. Okay. Well, I thought we was one. <clears throat> it was we. Cool, cool, cool. All right. We was we when we this was on was a budget. This was great. This was great. It was we was on a budget, unless you got listen in your pocket. I don't know what we you talking about. All right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because you just one that made us be on a budget. Our budget's from the devil. We should have said our budget's from the wife. Because, listen, I never wanted to be on a budget. And I'm so grateful for you because you've changed my life. I feel financially free from being married to you. I'm serious. Same. Look at that. That's a great way to end the show. Man, what a great episode. Our budgets from the devil, absolutely not. They can bring freedom. If you are listening today, I want you to address your generosity, your income potential. Somebody out there has a divine idea from God that you need to follow through. Your savings, your stewardship, your materialism, uh, when I say stewardship, and investing in your future. Like my wife said, before you do any of this, I want you to have a vision of where you want to be financially in the next 10 to 20 years, not 2021, but in the next 10 to 20 years and, and address these five areas, rate yourself on a scale of one to 10. And I believe that as you do that um, and increase the area first, that is the worst one, you're going to experience more financial freedom in this next part of your life than ever before. Thank you for listening to the download. We can't wait to see you. Dang, I keep saying see you. Love you so much. Thank you for listening.